Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders, a podcast where people connected to autism inspire change and build community. Together with the Global Autism Project, I'm your host, Rachel Harmon, a professional with over a decade of experience in the field of autism services, outreach, and advocacy. Have you ever come across a website that was difficult to navigate? Were you frustrated that you couldn't accomplish what you wanted to do, whether it was pay a bill, schedule a doctor's visit, or attend a Zoom call? Well, you're definitely not alone. It's not uncommon for neurodivergent people to feel left out of digital spaces. The good news is, accessibility guidelines already exist to ensure websites can be easily navigated. If you want to know about how these standards are upheld, listen to this conversation I had with Maxwell Huffman and Jen Gabot, where we delve deep into the work that they do at Aspiritech, a quality assurance company with over 90% of autistic employees. Maxwell is autistic himself and oversees operations across all of Aspiritech's program lines, including software quality assurance, accessibility, and data services. And Jen, who has ADHD, is the program manager for the company's accessibility program line. In this conversation, among other things, we discuss accessibility criteria that websites need to meet, using screen readers for the visually impaired, how a neurodiverse team can help to assess user experience, moments that make Maxwell and Jen feel proud to be working at Aspiritech, and tips for employers wanting to increase neurodiversity in the workplace. In this episode, discover what's possible when accessibility goes beyond a checklist. And now I present you Maxwell Huffman and Jen Gabode. So let's talk about the actual work that you do at Aspiritech. You both work closely together, right? Yes. Maxwell, you're Jen's direct supervisor, and Jen, you're the program manager of accessibility testing services. Is that right? Yeah, correct. Okay. So, what are some examples of things that you might actually test, like in the digital space? Uh, yeah. So for my team, we'll usually have clients come to us who have either developed a website or a mobile application and, and put it out into the world and realize that you know they need to be following these standards to make sure that their website's accessible for users with disabilities. So you have folks who are visually impaired, who use screen reader technology. So we'll test a website or a mobile application using a screen reader to make sure that the screen reader is reading everything out properly to make sure that you know the developers use maybe proper headings on the page because a screen reader user sometimes will jump from heading to heading to get uh, a sense of what's on the page. Instead of reading everything, it's easier to go from heading to heading. So did the developer put the proper headings on the page? Are links labeled with things that are more descriptive than just click here? Because a visually impaired user might have 10 click here links on a page and not know where click here is going to take you. Things like color contrast, um, you know, I think 8% of men are colorblind. So are your colors okay on your page? If you have an error message that is showing up in red, a good size of the population isn't going to be able to see that that's in red. So is there another way that that's being shown as an error? Like, is there an asterisk by it or something? So there's a bunch of different guidelines that we check against called the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines. So we go through that as a sort of checklist to make sure that all these guidelines are being met. And you know, if they are, great. Your web page will probably be fairly accessible. But we also really take a look at the user experience because accessibility goes beyond a checklist, beyond guidelines. So we want to take a look at the experience as a whole. 
And I think that from having a team that is neurodiverse, we have an interesting perspective because like, like Maxwell has said, I think I have ADHD myself and I notice that I know I see things on a web page, I think differently than others do because I'm distracted by so many things that like, I notice that this isn't flowing right. I, this is a good fit to it. This is distracting me from what I, I'm trying to accomplish on this page. So I think that our team being neurodiverse has a really interesting perspective with web accessibility. And we can talk a lot about experiences as a whole and go beyond those guidelines. So that's just some of the stuff that we look for in general when we're doing accessibility testing. It's a really cool space and, and all the folks on my team really love this kind of testing because of what it means for the world, essentially. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, giving other people access. And like Maxwell said earlier, like so many you know folks on the autism spectrum experience the world differently. So if we can help others get access to spaces that they're left out of, I think it's really meaningful to the testers to know that they're putting something good out into the world and helping other folks because, yeah, I mean, if you can't access a web page, it means you might not be able to pay your bills. You might not be able to make a doctor's visit. You might yeah. not be able to access online learning or a Zoom call from, from your workplace. So the internet is such a, a space that can open up so many doors for people. And yet by creating inaccessible experiences, you're still closing doors for people in a space that should be opening them. Right. So accessibility is a really cool space and it's cool to ex experience it and explore it from the neurodiverse, neurodivergent perspective and, and on top of obviously people with visual impairments and mobility impairments and, and deaf folks who need things like captions. So that's a lot of the testing that we do. Yeah. Great. Maxwell, anything to add? Oh, absolutely. A accessibility is so important. It's It's always been very important, but especially now in in the era that we're that we're all living through right now with the explosion in different types of media right like even this podcast that we're doing right now there are so many podcasts now as you as you know Rachel and the more accessible they are the more individuals are going to be listening to it right and that is with everything and smart companies are staying ahead of it i notice it with mcdonald's with their screen readers when i go into one of their restaurants they do put JAWS in there, which is which is one of the accessibility programs for people that have visual impairments, auditory impairments. These are things that are needed in the world as screens become more prevalent, as apps become more prevalent, and they're everywhere, right? They, they can't just be accessible for people that don't have difficulties. They need to be accessible for the elderly. They need to be accessible for every type of disability that's out there. And I think we absolutely bring a very interesting perspective to accessibility. So that's one division that we have that's really important for us to grow our knowledge there. And I'm very much trying to support that here at Aspiritech and show that autistic individuals and neurodiverse individuals that we've employed here have something to add to that conversation, because that really is very close to my heart, just in the fact that I've seen so much of the world be inaccessible. And when you add these little things, just like you mentioned earlier, Rachel, when Jen was explaining some of the things that, that we that we do here with communication and checking in on individuals, well, that will help neurotypical individuals as well. That'll help the average individual as well, right? And I remember in a conference recently, someone that had worked on the original ADA, the American Disabilities Act, uh, that I think passed, you know, back in the early 90s, I think, if I have my history correct, 
when they first added ramps on curbs for individuals in wheelchairs, they noticed an effect that had nothing to do with their original intent, which was that now elderly people, people with other disabilities outside of the wheelchair were now utilizing that. And that to me is what accessibility is really about. It's about making the world more accessible for everyone. You know, I think people get too focused in the fact that, oh, well, that's just trying to help people with a visual impairment or with an audio impairment. I mean, turn on closed captioning sometime. Look at the accessibility settings on your computer some, sometime. Adjusting those could really add a benefit that the average person doesn't even realize will be a benefit for them. I noticed that, you know, some of those settings for the very first time learning about our program line here at Aspiritech, but also seeing autistic individuals here at Aspiritech using the accessibility features on their computer and changing how the uh, words are, or how the screen layout is, so it's easier for them to use. And that gave me all kinds of ideas of how I could use that and share that with other employees here. So yeah, very important field for us and division for us. We have a lot of other divisions as, as well now that I'm helping direct things, uh, I'm much more more aware of what, what all the other divisions are doing. We have software quality assurance. We have a large audio division here, which is actually one of our oldest divisions where we test audio for a lot of leading companies that do uh, audio testing, which is great. Data services, where we test large data samples or, or data to make sure that data is all correct for companies. And we've worked with some large banking institutions for that. So there's a lot of different areas where we do testing. Yeah. Yeah. That's so exciting. And the company has been around for a while, right? Is it 15 years? Yes. More than 15? Yeah. It's more than, more than 15 now, I believe. Yep. Right. So can you guys describe maybe, you know, a story, success story, a time when you felt really proud to be working at a spirit tech? Well, one of our largest clients that we work with is uh, Bose Audio. And I really love working for them. Originally, we were we we were working on sound bars for them, TVs, all of their home theater type equipment, which was really great. When I had first joined the company and I first heard they were working with Bose, I was really excited about it because headphones is something that I have a great passion for, and music is something I have a great passion for. So I really wanted to work with their headphones as well. But really, we were just working with their with their speakers at that point, and with their in in the, in the home speaker layouts and configurations. And there's plenty of work to do there. I mean, they have very complex and wonderful speakers. But we hadn't quite moved into the headphones yet, so I was always excited to move more towards headphones. And we found a big defect before one of their releases for their speaker division, and I think it really impressed them that we were able to find that defect before their release. And we were able to show them that, that we could do this. And we'd already been working for them for about, I think, five years or so. After we found that defect, the next time they, they did a contract renewal with us, they introduced us to all their headphones. Oh, nice. It was so exciting for me. And I remember that that really stood out for me. And I put, you know, the strongest person, it was actually offered up to me to run this new division for the headphones. But I decided I was I was kind of happier just working in the group that I was currently in. I had more to learn. But I put the strongest person on my team who was an autistic individual, really excellent 
Uh, he was my strongest analyst, strongest tester. And I tend to call people analysts here because they, they do more than just test. They write test cases. They participate in test sprints and uh, test planning. So it really is more than just the average testing house does with just testing. And that's part of how we're able to find defects, I would I, I like to think, is we really think about these products as a whole and we're able to capture those things because we really care about that user experience. But I was able to make this individual that was very strong on, on the audio visual project that I had him on and put him in charge of, the, of our new headphone development division. And seeing that division flourish over the years, now we've been working with that division for about, I think, three or four years now. And we've seen a lot of headphones come from very basic developments where they're just like chips. They don't even look like headphones all the way to going to the, to the store for sale. And you're able to point them out and go, Hey, we, we, we actually worked on that. And that's just a thrill. It's a thrill to be at a company. And I could never, I I would never have dreamed when I first was really into buying headphones and listening to music that I'd be part of the development of these headphones someday and be able to give autistic individuals a chance to have a career where they're part of that development. So that's an example, like some of the stuff that I take great pride in here in, in the work that we do. Oh, amazing. Thanks, Maxwell. Jen, how about you? I think for me, I think going from the employee support specialist side into operations is just seeing how people flourish in the roles that they're in and how they step up into various roles and go from being QA tester to a, a, a lead, you know, finding what works for folks. So if someone is really great at the client facing communication, like making them a, a project lead, and then you have folks who are really into the testing and just want to increase their testing skills and get better and better, get more understanding of, of QA and come up in those various places. So, you know, we're not forcing people into your typical track. Like you start, then you become a manager and then you become this thing. We don't really follow that here. We, we try to really push into what people's skill sets are and how they're going to be the most successful. And we've seen a lot of people be really successful. And, and I think one for, for me recently, one of my direct reports recently, like bought a townhouse and moved out from her parents' house where she'd been, you know, living. And prior to working here, you know, I I think she was working for you know a, like a shipping company, just sort of packing boxes and stuff. And this brilliant, very talented person who can pick up every project that we've thrown her way has become a lead. Has done you know gotten great praise from every client that we've worked with. Has now sort of you know been successful and now in a career. And obviously, like moving out, buying her own place, and you know, achieving that. So that's a really cool path to see somebody take who might not have been on that path a few years ago before coming here. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. It's really changing lives. What have you guys learned about working with neurodivergent people from working at Aspiritech? I think just getting to know the people that you're working with, because everybody is so different. Everyone has such different needs. And I think here it's it's a little bit more amplified I and mean, you're a little bit more not knowledgeable about the various needs that people have. So it's really having to put the time in and be more flexible yourself to make sure that you're addressing everybody's needs because it it does take a little bit more effort on your part to like remember okay this person prefers slack written communications that's how we're going to do our one-on-ones this person likes to meet every week on a google hangout to talk through things so just sort of remembering the little accommodations that you have for everybody that's been a little bit different for me from you know previous jobs and previous careers 
but it, it does force you to be a better manager, to listen more, to pay attention more, to be a little bit more on top of how you're communicating with people and ensuring that you're communicating with them in a way that works, not just what's comfortable and you're used to. So, you know, sort of putting yourself in a place sometimes where maybe you have to be a little bit uncomfortable because you're having to step out of your box to make sure that you're doing what needs to be done for all the people that you support and, and work with. Yeah, I would totally agree with everything Jen just said there. Some of the challenges of this job are the most rewarding part of it. The fact that I'm not the only one that feels like this is the first time they've truly been a part of a community that's their community, that's neurodiverse individuals, that's autistic individuals. That comes with a whole set of challenges, though, and it forces you to be a better person. It really does. This isn't a job that is just uh, beholden to people that have invested in the company. It's a non-for-profit that really is there for the staff, and we're beholden to the staff and to people on the autistic spectrum and neurodivergent individuals. And they're all individuals. They're very complex. So it's not the easiest thing in the world, certainly, but it's something that I'm really proud to be rewarded with being a part of and trying to find what's the best way to develop an environment like this and an incubator like like this for individuals that, that need it. And I know there are, there, are, there are plenty of autistic, neurodivergent individuals that have had success in companies that don't cater to this specifically. But this is a company that's designed for those that have struggled in the past to find that. And that's where the feedback from everyone that's currently employed here really helps because it, it helps us know where we make mistakes, where other companies have made mistakes in the past, and how we need to perfect this thing. You know, what are the steps we need to, we need to take to make the environments better? I mean, the, the pandemic in one sense, even though it was a horrible thing we all had to live through, it pushed companies into trying a hybrid model for the work environments. We had done that a little bit at Tech pre-pandemic with the hybrid working from home or working in the office, but not as much as the pandemic certainly forced us to do. And that gave us a whole new set of problems and perspectives that we had to work through to to perfect, okay, what's the best way to do this for an autistic individual that typically we always had a support staff that was in the office working with them. They always had each other to work with in groups. Well, now we have to develop those groups working from home, right? So it's those challenges that are both frustrating, but make you a better person and make the company what it needs to be and hopefully provides a service for the community. That's how I really view it every day. But I agree with uh, Jen. It's sort of a funny answer because it's like, you know, one, one of the best things out of it is the, is the challenges you get out of it. But, but I agree with that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I would add to that too. As you were talking, I thought of this as a lot of folks who, who work here or want to work here have either been told that they're not good enough their entire lives through school you know, they've always maybe needed extra support or had somebody making them feel like they weren't enough or they were doing it wrong and they needed to be be more neurotypical or whatever it might be. And we have folks who have come from corporate America and were made to feel that way in the corporate space. Like they had to mask, they had to hide themselves. 
and they just sort of couldn't cut it in some of those roles. So when you have folks who their entire lives have been made to not fit in or feel like, you know, they're not enough or they're not right. I think that sometimes we have to do a lot of breaking of that mindset for people and give them challenges and show them that they actually can do it. And we're here to support them through it and that they can accomplish things that people might've told them their whole lives that they couldn't accomplish. I feel like we do a really good job of that. We do a really good job of supporting people to the next step and going from QA tester to whatever the next step is going to be and empowering them to do that while being themselves. Like you don't have to mask when you're working here. You can be your complete and authentic self. So it's breaking a lot of that old mindset of not being good enough. I'm not neurotypical. I don't fit into the world and being in a place now where they can be themselves and they can accomplish things that they might've been told they can't accomplish before. And that's something that we really try to work on with folks as they come here and, and sort of work through all of that stuff that they're bringing from their past with them in here. Mm-hmm. Do you guys offer any kinds of mental health support with that? Like with coming and processing some of those feelings? Yeah, our support staff will work through some of those things with them. And we certainly have contact and communication with outside mental health agencies or mental health professionals. If someone needs a bit more than we can provide at the workplace, but our support staff does so step in and work with people through some of that stuff, you know, that like imposter syndrome that is, that is felt pretty heavily, I feel like. So, yeah. Okay. The support staff is really fantastic here and they and they have degrees in that in in that field so they really know what they're doing but they're also great at providing that additional ramp if you need it and we do like to really know our staff and know the individuals that work here and we identify if it's going to be a struggle for them to take that additional step to seek outside help and we really try to provide that helpful ramp for them to reach out if they need to reach out they need more additional help which also I found to be unique. A lot of other companies just, they'll give you the basic HR to cover themselves and that's it. But a spear tech, we, we really care about the individuals and we want to be there for people if they're struggling. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really good. All right. So I'd like to close with one last question. You've been answering this along the conversation, but if you have any last takeaways or advice for other employers when considering how to increase neurodiversity, in their workplace or at least make their environment neurodivergent friendly? I think you just hit the key word right there. And when people have asked me after I've spoken about this at various events, what's the first thing they need to do in their support groups that they might be running at their companies? I say, think about the environment. Think about the environment on all levels. Does the staff member need to work in the office? Can they work hybrid? Ask them, what makes this job comfortable and successful for them as an individual day to day? Look at what the requirements of the job are and try to match that with that individual's skill sets, but then try to match that environment that's needed to make that function properly. Because I do think too many companies are just forcing people into, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, this cookie cutter model of, well, this is what our documents say. But does that necessarily have to be that for this person, for this individual? Can you make a slight accommodation and maybe get fantastic work that you know, you're going to see excels everyone else you have on your team? I've heard these stories. And one, one of the main issues that I've actually seen 
is when they do make these accommodations at a neurotypical company for someone that's on the spectrum or blind or deaf or what have you, then it's difficult to then replace that person when they retire or something happens to them because they're so good at their job with the few accommodations that they've given this, this individual that they excel everyone else on the team. And I'm telling you, it's not just that you found some disabled superstar. It's that you've made accommodations. That's the key that they've done there. So what I would say is talk to the individuals you work with, make those accommodations, invest in those accommodations. That's the key. That's the thing in bold here is make the investment, you know, talk to whoever you need to talk to the higher ups at the company to explain that there will be a return on investment for making those accommodations. And then we'll start to see that change in, in the world. That's, that's how I feel about it. But it does require that investment. It is a challenge. And even here at Speartech, we're a small company, and I'll just give my little plug for it. If you're hearing this podcast and you believe in what we're doing because you have family members or you know someone that struggles for meaningful employment, invest in this industry. Even if it's not a spear tech, I'd love for it to be a spear tech to invest in, but invest in this industry because it's a good thing. It's something that does help people. It's something that's very much needed in the world. And it's a struggle. It's a challenge. And challenges require investment, both in giving us a shot in terms of if you have a project that needs our work, seeing if our talent can meet the challenge of whatever the work is, seeing if you get a good return on, on, on investment in that. And also just being charitable about it. This is an underserved community. But as you serve them, just like that curb example that I gave earlier, it's going to help everyone. You're going to notice society in, in society, this is helping everyone as we make things more accessible. So that's what I would say about it. Thanks, Maxwell. Jen, anything to add? Yeah, I think that we're in a place right now where everything is constantly changing. And everyone's talking about the next innovation and what the next big thing is going to be. And everyone wants to put out the next cool product. We're not going to keep innovating if we don't open our minds to other perspectives, if we're not thinking outside the box. It shouldn't be this way, but hiring neurodivergent individuals is still outside the box a little bit. So opening your mind to bringing people on your team who are going to bring a completely different perspective is only going to help you. You're only going to create cooler things, better things. If you diversify your staff and bringing people on who are autistic or neurodivergent doesn't cost a lot. It's not risky. It's not scary. It's just about opening your mind a little bit, communicating better, talking to people about what they need and what's going to make them successful. Like Maxwell said, changing the environment if necessary, letting people work from home, letting people join a meeting with their camera off if they prefer not to be on camera. It's the simplest things that you can figure out about somebody just by connecting with them and talking with them. And it starts with your hiring process, making sure that your HR people know how to interview folks who are neurodivergent or giving out interview questions ahead of time or making accommodations for the interview process, making sure that the managers are on the same page. And as long as everyone on the team is communicating, and communicating with that person, it's going to be successful and you're going to get a really great employee and you're going to have someone who sticks around for a long time if they're given the proper place and the proper support. It's not scary. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool to you know have different perspectives and it doesn't take much energy from, from yourself to have someone be successful. Yeah, well, that's really great advice. 
Well, thank you both for the conversation today. There are a lot of great tips in here for employers. And like I said before, you guys are a model for what can be done right. And the work that you're doing is just so exciting too. All of the quality assurance and the accessibility testing is so important. I meant to mention this earlier, but you know, I was thinking about someone who's kind of filtering through and looking for ways that it can be done better. There must be some kind of dopamine rush or something when you find a mistake, right? And so it's kind of like a teacher with a red pen and like circling all of the grammar errors or something. But I was wondering if you have a product that they're testing that's just like great already. Is there just kind of like, oh, well, this one's fine. (laughs) Well, it's definitely true. I mean, things move from a development cycle to a life cycle management. And once it moves into more of its life cycle where it's for sale on the market, uh, there might be some software updates to, to whatever product it is but you find less defects, right? Mm. So that level of excitement over, yeah, I'm finding a bunch of important defects. Yeah, it becomes a lot more, you know, boring, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I think some people too have been a little bit nervous when they don't find anything, like they did something wrong, oh. and didn't, find, <laughs> didn't find the issue. Right. Very true. Um, but there was no issue to find. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting work. The defects is what creates your job in a way. So yeah. without them, you wouldn't have it. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So thank you again. And people can find you at aspiritech.org and put a link to that in our show notes. All right. Thank you. Thank you again. Yeah. Thanks so much, Rachel. Yeah. It was great connecting. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks for tuning in to Autism Knows No Borders. Do you know anyone else who might find value in this episode? Maybe your boss or coworkers would also like to learn how to make your workplace more neurodivergent friendly. If you'd like to help improve employment conditions for autistic individuals, please take just a few seconds to share this episode with one person who you think will appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Take care.